abortion self-referral, a very dark day, a green belter, that's just a failure of political negotiation, and cops say no to volunteers. Stupid thing to say, thank you. Kia ora and welcome to Inside Parliament, a weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering here on One News. I'm Benedict Collins. I'm Mikey Sherman. And I'm Jessica Match Mackay. All right, guys, highlights of the week. Jess. So shall I start off with peaks? Should we yeah. start, start positive this week? Um, my peak was actually um, a story that I did last week. I've been away for a couple of days, so my story count is a little bit low. Um, been away, having a little bit of a holiday. But um, last week I did a story um, following up on our poll on the superannuation age and keeping it at 60 um, five and whether people agreed with that or not. And I did find it really interesting. We asked the same question um, in 2017 as well when it was quite a contentious um, election issue and people seem to have solidified in their view that they want to keep it at 65. The, when you look into the story, it seems that it's pretty obvious we're going to need to make some changes around this at some point. Politically though, um, as, as um, a person who I've said in the story said, it's political suicide to make promises around this without properly selling the message to people. So, yeah, I found it an interesting issue to climb into. Mm. My peak this week was probably um, just listening to some of the general debates, particularly yesterday. Uh, it's always a little bit of fun because, you know, the MPs kind of loosen up at that point and they get a bit ruckus, uh, a bit raucous, uh, and we sort of saw that yesterday, in particular around Julianne Genta uh, refusing to release uh, the letter um, around the issue of transport here in Wellington. Chris Bishop from the National Party has been just grilling her day after day this week, uh, and she's been stumbling along the way, still refusing to release that letter, but it was interesting in the uh, general debate, Chris Bishop going hard on that, only to have Willie Jackson stand up and say, look, mate, no one cares about your bloody letter. They care about jobs, uh, as, as you know, the minister in charge of that. So always a bit of fun there. Hey, but what did Winston Peters say to you yesterday on the bridge after... We'll read about this letter. Winston Peters did throw a little bit of a, sh- a little bit of shade there. I asked him if it, you know, it looks dodgy. He sort of, you know, reluctantly did, uh, you know, agree with that. And then he said, "Look, you can't blame some of these new ministers. Uh, some of the rules are tricky." And then he followed that up by saying, "Well, not this one though, but you know." <laughs> So, an interesting issue there. Yeah, and I had a pretty um, interesting weekend. I went and covered the um, Green Party uh, conference in Dunedin, which was a bit of an eye-opener. I've covered quite a few uh, New Zealand First uh, annual conferences and a few ACT conferences where you pretty much have open access and you can sort of talk to members and you can watch them <clears throat> coming up with sort of policy ideas, remits and stuff like that, and it's, it's all really open. The Greens, um, the complete opposite. Everything was really shut down, um, locked out, and apparently it's because they don't... Um, in the past 20 years ago or something, there was some footage of them doing Morris dancing, and they're very still uh, shy with that, and that footage still amazing. makes the I don't even know if it was news. that. It was in my memory of being in the press gallery, so it wasn't... I feel like it's not that long. Right. Ago, James was, Shaw was saying it was, it was 20 years ago. Mm. Yeah, maybe. We might need to slip a bit, yeah, of, uh, a bit of a clip of that footage into our podcast <laughs> for the viewers. Bizarre, right? So, like, most of it you shut out. When I did walk around... I'd have a media minder sort of following two footsteps behind. Um, uh, yeah, just kind of, you just kind of wonder why, because they, they had one announcement each day that they said, oh yeah, hey, media is allowed to actually, um, you know, film and then we'll have a stand up with um, Marama and James Shaw after, afterwards. But you kind of get the feeling like they don't really want the media there, but they want some coverage of their announcement. Yeah, so it was a, yeah, a little bit bizarre, particularly seeing that um, the announcement that we covered, that we I went down on the Sunday, um, was like a re-announcement of an old announcement about their um, 
a rent-to-own policy, so it was all a little bizarre. Luckily, One thing I want to add in, though, is that they used, the Green Party used to have their annual conference um, on a long weekend in June, and it was always really hard because you had to you know, give up your three-day weekend and go. Now that they've changed that, I'd just like to put in my support of them doing that. It's very kind that they just made it a random weekend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Hey, and interesting, too, because people have been questioning um, you know, the openness and transparency of the Green Party at their annual conference, sort of uh, keep very keen to keep everything in private and then following up just with what Mikey was talking about you know about Julian Genta refusing to release a ministerial letter she wrote to another minister you know questions there about these guys who were just so um, you know strong and when they were in opposition about the need for transparency. Yeah you don't expect that from the Greens you expect them to be the most open party so it's interesting. Yeah. Should we do pits? I don't really have a pit. That was kind I've, of. I've got, I, I felt like I took up a fair bit of time. Okay, so okay, that would well, be my pit, my and my peak all wrapped up into one. Perfect. Mm. There we go. Very, um, very efficient. Thank you, Benedict. Um, my pit this week was around Gabrielle McClough. Now he, of course, has moved on to um, go and take up his job in Ireland, and he released a letter um, that he handed over to the um, finance minister of Ireland, basically saying, um, "All's fine. Nobody needs to worry. Um, it's all good." And it's just one of those situations that. Um, it's a bit frustrating because he obviously, he says in the letter, I accept that I could have described the incident more clearly and with different emphasis. Um, I was pleased that my honesty, integrity and p- political neutrality was not in question. So that's political speak for nothing wrong. Perhaps I could have done things a tiny bit differently. And it is just a little bit frustrating in those situations. We will watch that play out a couple of days before the budget. And um, the way that he the way that he sold it, there were some issues there and it just is a little well, bit the way he sold it the National Party had done this incredible hack on, yeah. on, on the Treasury website right yeah. yeah and I just think that and, and talking about the uh, the lock and the safe and trying mm. to get in and, and they targeted the one loose bolt yeah. you know hundreds and hundreds of times and, and then to come down to be like yeah. I, I accept I could have described the incident with, more clearly and it's like well yeah you think? Um, and I just think <laughs> in those situations it's frustrating because that he just does now go on to the next phase with with very little accountability, and yeah, I just find just slinks off. Eh? Yeah, mm. and I do find that frustrating. So I think um, that was the pit for the week. All right, my pit this week. I've been covering the issue of uh, abortion law reform this week, uh, and so my pit is it a pit or is it more of an interesting point perhaps um, that I that I notice is that doctors uh, essentially get to pick and choose when they want to do their job or not. E.g., provide care for their patients. Uh, they can currently refuse um, to provide care or advice or even have discussions with women uh, who are, uh, are looking into the issue of abortion. I thought that was pretty interesting. I wonder what the public think about uh, doctors being able to pick and choose whether or not they want to deal with patients around that issue Uh, because you know most of us are sort of told you know when you come to work you have to leave your personal views and your opinions and your beliefs at the door Uh, you know we've often seen sort of cake bakers drag through uh, the media publicly because they don't want to bake a cake for example for a a gay couple Um, but then you've got doctors who are very well within their rights to be able to refuse care to people based on you know things like abortion so I wonder what um, the public uh, view and mood on that issue is might be something worth following up and I think it's it just shows just one of the controversial um, issues out of this topic there's been a lot and we'll we'll go into that a bit further um, with your abortion story but should we start off with your very interesting 
track this week. Benedict um, had a track here on police. Let's take a look at that now. Volunteer cops could soon be policing the countryside. A highly controversial plan. We don't need some sort of rogue vigilantes roaming around our provinces and rural areas thinking they're coppers. In this day and age that comes with a lot of risk. Health and safety risks, training risks. After a year of getting the runaround on this, the government have finally released documents to One News showing the police told them to dump the plan. The police are worried about volunteer cops using physical force against members of the public and they're also worried about a lack of backup for the volunteers themselves if things go bad in a remote area. But the police minister still wants to wait and see. Well, you know, we're rolling 1,800 new officers out around the country, uh, including a number to our provincial and rural areas. What we want to do is assess the, the impact that they are having before we take the next step towards any sort of rural constabulary. Investigating a volunteer rural constabulary is part of New Zealand First's coalition deal with Labour. But they have been left out of the loop. I have asked um, Mr Nash for any reports or any updates. I've yet to see that. Are you surprised? Did they say in the report they think it's a stupid idea? Pretty much. Stupid thing to say. Thank you. The idea of volunteer cops was seriously considered during the Springbok protests in the 80s, but never deployed. But they were used to suppress riots during the Depression in the 30s. Today, National had a word of advice. Uh, listen to your police, uh, police in this case, Minister. It was a bad idea to begin with. Take it on the chin. No, not ruling it out. Concerned too that any volunteer force would be seen by Kiwis as policing on the cheap. So this is a, um, part of uh, the Labour and New Zealand First's coalition um, supply confidence supply agreement that they agreed to have a look into this volunteer rural police force. Now our producer, um, she's been fighting for this information for well over a year. We've finally got it, um, and the police have a whole uh, host of reservations about it. Unsurprisingly. Um, I think, uh, as we kind of mentioned in the track there, a risk to the public, you know, with uh, volunteers using physical force. They think the, uh, the public would look at, you know, these volunteer cops and go, hey, this is just policing on the cheap. Um, you, you know, how do you inst install a, you know, a, a good, good culture within a bunch of volunteers? So just a huge um, range of problems there. And I really did enjoy uh, Ron Mark's answer to me saying he had no idea, so given this was you know, supposed to be worked on between Labour and New Zealand first and looked into, um, it seems like Ron Mark had never been told about this police advice, saying this whole um, idea is a dog. Well, it seems as though Labour and New Zealand first have been doing that to each other this week a little bit, and we'll yeah. sort of see Winston Peters' version of that later uh, uh, mm. on in our podcast on the issue of, of abortion and referendums. But yes, the old uh, you know, waiting for advice that hasn't quite come, or hoping to get a heads up, that doesn't quite come either. And and the power of television, I think you could just see the darkness come under his face. <laughs> you can actually see it, which is really good. I mean, I think this is one of those issues. I think there's there's no doubt that, especially in small rural communities, there are gaps, and perhaps people are taking on this role a little bit already. Uh, the idea of having this volunteer police force, I mean, there are just just on the surface of it, there are so many issues with it. So, do they still have to go through police? training for um, for the fitness tests, for the um, psychological tests, for the police vetting? Do they um, have to go through for cultural um, uh, appropriateness? Do they, I mean, there's just so many things that when you are trained as a police officer, you go through and then you climb up the ranks and then you go with someone more experienced, etc, etc. It just, you can't give people that amount of power um, without having the checks and balances in place. Oh. 
don't we? I was just going to say, I'd, I'd suggest that we've already got a somewhat of a of a, a community policing in the Māori wardens, maybe. Yeah, well, that's what they yeah. do talk about that quite a bit in the IHA, oh, saying they? that they do have you know similar things that are already underway. But I wouldn't be surprised if this is something the government just leaves on the on the back burner, and I don't think we'll see um, any real movements yeah. towards that. And, and one of the problems with the Māori wardens, um, when we sort of saw them starting to pull people, say, for example, um, out of the clubs, they used to go into bars and sort of check people's IDs. A lot of people took issue with that. So um, they didn't really like it. They didn't like that, you know, you had non-police going into bars and making these calls and sort of pulling people out. They do lots of great work, the Māori wardens, but there are there is a point there where you do run into into a bit of um, uh, issue and contention, um, you know, when it starts to get from, uh, uh, well, you know, sort of safety stuff through to sort of enforcement stuff. But the way and, and the questioning and what sort of authority those yeah. people have. Yeah, right? and I think it works the best. I mean, we've seen um, Māori wardens work really well in situations at Ratana, at mm. um, Waitangi, and it works really well when they work alongside police. So you'll see the Māori wardens going up and having a chat to someone and perhaps calming a situation down. Then if it escalates, you've got police right there to be able to, who have the enforcement protection. So I think that, that working alongside is very different to, having people going along and doing things out there separately. by themselves. Yeah. So that was one of the concerns that was raised in your track is that they wouldn't have that backup if they ever needed it. That's right, in, mm. in remote areas as well. Hey, and um, Nationals had a little bit of a field day with this. They've been um, calling it, you know, the government's cowboy cops um, initiative. Um, and quite interesting, uh, it's a little bit of um, pot and kettle there. When we look back in the OIA, it's quite good. Um, they talk about how they volunteer cops were deployed during the Depression to crack a few skulls during the pro, um, riots back then. <laughs> Um, they were considered again during the Springboks, but but they were never deployed. But actually, um, in 2009, the National Party Caucus um, considered setting up a volu- volunteer police. In 2008, um, uh, the Commissioner of Police uh, had a, another report into looking at whether we should bring in some volunteers. Uh, and in March 1999, the Labour Party also issued a press release supporting rural volunteer cops. So it's, you know, you both sides have sort of toyed mm, with the idea cyclical, over perhaps. the time. Yes, yeah. yes. Well, speaking of that, shall we move on to the next story, which has popped up again um, now after, after many years of perhaps laying low and not seeing a lot of action on it? Um, and this is the issue of abortion. Um, Mikey has been covering that for us earlier in the week, so let's take a look at that. <laughs> New Zealand's 40-year-old abortion law finally getting the update many have been waiting for. This is about making that fundamental shift so that women who are considering or taking advice on an abortion don't uh, from the outset feel as if they are committing a crime because they're not. Abortion currently sits under the Crimes Act but new changes will bring it under health legislation. They've gone farther than any previous government since Muldoon so you got to give them props for that and I'm really happy that we've gotten this far. Our first reaction is it's a very dark day and uh, all it's done really is just liberalised something that was already liberal. Changes include self-referral, meaning women can go directly to an abortion clinic bypassing their GP. The need for counselling is also removed, while women under 20 weeks pregnant will no longer be subject to any kind of test. That alone is going to make a huge difference to people who are trying to access abortion care. Women who are over 20 weeks pregnant will now only need the approval of one doctor as opposed to two. The minister says 
that will only apply to a small group as 98% of abortions are carried out in the first 16 weeks. Out of the 13,200 odd abortions carried out up to 30 June last year, 57 were carried out after 20 weeks. So we are talking about a very, very small number. But anti-abortion groups aren't happy. Abortion is horrific. Um, what really matters here is the rights of the unborn child and been they have been completely overlooked. It's important that you know women you know, feel safe and in control and that everyone has the freedom to decide for themselves whether and when to become a parent. Safe zones are also being proposed, banning protesting and leaflet handouts up to 150 metres around abortion clinics. Minister Andrew Little saying some anti-abortionists are taking it too far. I think I've seen enough to, to suggest that we want to have that up our sleeve on a very localised basis where there is a need to do so. A reminder, the issue of abortion is still a divisive one. So a big issue here at Parliament this week, we've seen it sort of start on Monday with that track there, announcing the different sort of changes that Andrew Little's been bringing in. Um, uh, one of the key changes, or, or non-changes you could say, was that there was a question around whether they would sort of lift um, uh, the threshold for abortions to 22 weeks um, without needing to sort of see uh, your GP, for example, or sort of go undergo any sort of test. They decided to keep it at 20 weeks, um, and Andrew Little basically saying that that was to make it more palatable basically for other MPs who might want to support it but weren't quite too comfortable with that sort of uh, raising of that threshold and that was basically the biggest concern when we sort of voxied MPs throughout the week. What's your biggest concern here? It was that sort of 20 week abortion mark. Some of them saying you know it's it's half the life of a, of a little fetus or a little baby in the womb and so that was the sort of contentious point. So Andrew Little uh, playing it safe there, keeping it at 20. And I think we forget how much of a hard sell it is for some of those um, MPs who are more conservative, uh, represent more conservative electorates, and um, have to, rep you know, are, are there to represent the views of them. And and things like that make it slightly more palatable um, for them when they look at this con as a conscience issue. Um, I think what'll be really interesting is this is this afternoon. Probably um, by the time this has gone out, we're going to have the um, first reading of the debate. And I think it'll be really interesting to see um, how emotive and how um, strongly people speak on it. The Prime Minister is expected to have her say. Um, I think it, it's one of, and we've seen a couple of them recently, conscience issues, um, and I think it'll be really interesting to see how passionate some of that debate is around this. Mm. I was interested, um, we, earlier this week we were doing, um, during the caucus runs, whether, um, all, whether all the MPs have to walk in we're stopping MPs and asking them for their views. Interested to see um, guys like Kieran McNulty, Chris Bishop, um, sort of just saying, hey, look, you know, from from male perspective, you know, it's a woman's right to choose. That's why I'm voting yes. Quite a few sort of answers like that this week as well. Yeah, and really um, interesting to see the likes. Of, you know, when we talk about the, the sort of um, a difficulty in terms of even cultural um, perspectives, um, Opito William Seal um, from the Labour Party, uh, Pacific People's Minister, um, he said that traditionally he would vote against it because, you know, Pacific community holds such conservative views on things like this, the right to life and who holds the power to life 
and so on. Um, but he said that he's having to consider this um, bill because for his community, he's seen the effects of this um, on the young women in his electorate. Um, it's been, you know, that sometimes they're outcasted by their families because of this issue. So it's a conversation that he wants to raise with his community. So, um, yeah, it's it's 40 years in the making. We, we haven't seen sort of any changes for over 40 years. So it's going to be a big conversation once it starts getting around the country. Yeah. And- Oh, oh, Mikey, can you tell us about the safe zones that are coming in as part of the legislation here as well? Yeah, so obviously one of the key um, uh, issues for women who do um, finally make the decision to go to these clinics is that you've got people standing outside protesting, um, handing out leaflets and holding up banners, you know, and it's it's a hard enough decision, no doubt, um, to have to make and then to have to put up with some of that. Andrew Little said um, it's something that considering they'll do it on a case-by-case basis, so clinics will have to apply um, to the Minister to the Minister of Health um, for a sort of safe zone um, of 150 metres around their um, clinics. And so um, he's saying basically that he's seen some examples where it's just been, it's gone too far, some of the vitriol that's been spat at these women when they're going to those places. Um, and so he said, you know, it's good to have that up the, up the government's sleeve. Yeah, and we've seen that um, with people, I know that we've done stories on it in the past of people literally sort of camped outside um, hospitals down south and, and holding up signs and things like that. And you can only imagine um, that it's a it's a difficult decision for people to make already without having that that right there as well, and that doesn't take away from people's um, right to have their views and express them, but just outside and the placement of that. So that seems like a bit of a no brainer of a of a decision around this as well. I guess the other element, you know, you've got all this, you've got. Um, You've got religion, you've got gender issues, you've got um, life and death issues. That, like, there's so many things packed into this. Mm. But then overarching all of that, of course, is the politics of it as well. And that's when New Zealand First comes into play. And that's what's been fun for us the last couple of days. Well, it was, it's been kind of bizarre, right? So it yeah. sounds like they've negotiated for a long time between Andrew Little and um, Tracy Martin from New Zealand First. Uh, they, they're all on the same page, all on the same page. And then all of a sudden, New Zealand First just kick out the idea that actually they want a referendum, which, to be fair, is you know pretty stock standard New Zealand First yeah. policy on nearly every controversial issue. Hey, nah, too tough for us to decide. It should be up for the public to make the call on that. You know, mm. on lots of issues they have that position, but just bizarre that it didn't come up. You know, it, yeah, and, it until didn't the, come what, up earlier until the eleventh hour. Right? Yeah. yeah, so how it played out was basically uh, on the Tuesday, the day after Andrew Little had announced the changes, changes that were hard fought uh, for, changes that he had made concessions on, like that twenty weeks for the likes of uh, New Zealand First. Uh, the following day, you sort of had um, all the MPs coming across the bridge, heading into the House, um, and one of the backbench MPs from New Zealand First was asked, "Oh, your thoughts on uh, you know the abortion law reforms?" and he said, "Well." You know, we kind of think it should be a referendum, and the the look on the on the reporters' faces standing around him was just like what? Because it was the first time that everyone had heard about it. Uh, and then we sort of go to Tracy Martin, who earlier that day had even ruled out um, the possibility of a referendum on this issue. She's been leading this um, for the for New Zealand First, so she, if anyone knew, she would know. Uh, she still sort of maintained that. And then we got to Winston Peters, and he was like, "Well, yeah, why are you surprised? We've always been about referendums, and this is the type of." issue that should go to the public. And you've got to feel for Tracy Martin. <laughs> she is a highly competent, um, you know, very experienced negotiator in these situations. And you could just, again, the power of television, you could just see that she had been completely blindsided 
buy but, this. But here, here are her New Zealand First colleagues just totally undermining her, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah. Like publicly making her look stupid. Yeah, and and that's and in a negotiation um, that she went to into and was leading and seemed like they had made um, some kind of arrangement and agreement. And you just yeah you have you have to wish that you were a fly on the wall in that situation when she got back to her office after those questions. <laughs> there would have been some firm conversations, I would imagine. So yeah. I wonder whether they saw the her statements that, no, you know, ruling out the referendum and were like, you know, no way, you know, and that's when they decided to... Yeah, uh, and it'll be interesting to see because today is, is when we were told they'd, they'd make a call on this. You know, we're expecting the first reading um, of the um, reforms in Parliament today. New Zealand First promising to make a call either way on the issue of a referendum. If they do go ahead with it, the next question is, will it be a bottom line for them uh, in terms of their support um, overall? Uh, you know, that's what we've seen with euthanasia. And if, if they do go down that, that hard road, you know, sort of you know, making that uh, as their bottom line, it, it'll cause a headache for Andrew Little. And add it to the list of referenda that we need to... Which need to aren't motivate. cheap. No, but, and I mean, at the election they're easier, but there's so many issues now that will be dominating it, and it just, you know, that's, it's it's yet another topic that, that kind of has to be weaved into the election coverage. But you've got this really you know, quite controversial issue mm. that's going out for the, um, you know, the conscience vote, Um and you think the government's handled it, you know, they've, they've done their announcement, they're stepping it through, make it clear, you know, each MP's up to... And they still managed to turn it into an absolute circus. Yeah, no, 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 no. Winston Peters hasn't, hasn't had his final say on that yet. Um, it yeah, is, yeah, bizarre. It, yeah, but fun, politically, mm. I have to say, on a, on a very serious and, and contentious issue. But um, it, is, it hasn't been the first time, has it, that this um, has popped up? Um, Where Andrew Little's... Made made public announcements just to be undercut by by Winston Peters. Yeah, and we did um, this morning. We had to stand up with the prime minister, and we did say, "Hey, you know, are these two are these guys not getting along, Winston and and Andrew?" Oh no, 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 no! You know, denying that there was any sort of you know personal dislike uh, between each other there. Yeah, BFFs, I'm sure. Mm. The last time we looked into this issue, though, was 1977. That's when law changes came. Um, let's take a look at this story from 1976, which highlights some of the issues. And it's just an interesting thing to look back on as, as we launch into this first reading. The courts were also to pay a lot of attention to this man, an Australian doctor who'd been practising in Auckland, and to this place, the Auckland Medical Aid Centre, where Dr Wolnoff had been performing abortions. In 1974, police had seized files from the centre and the legality of its abortion services and the whole question of abortion and the law were to keep courts, parliament and public arguing through the year. The government had asked a royal commission to report on abortion and associated questions, but Labour MP Jerry Wall put his hospitals amendment bill before parliament. It was passed 43 to 16 and the medical aid centre had to move to another clinic in September. Dr. Woolnuff was tried on 12 abortion charges and public uncertainty on the whole question was reflected by a jury which couldn't reach a decision. While pro-life and pro-freedom groups clashed in debate and demonstration, the courts looked for the legal answers to the year's most emotional argument. Dr. Woolnuff was granted bail until a retrial and the Auckland Medical Aid Centre appealed against the requirements imposed on them by Dr. Wall's act. Neither major political party wanted into the argument. The courts got on with the job. In the retrial of Dr. Woolnuff, the jury acquitted him on all 12 charges. 
In his Supreme Court judgment, Mr. Justice Spate described Dr. Wall's Hospitals Amendment Act as an ill-drafted piece of legislation. The act was deemed ineffective, and the Auckland Medical Aid Centre got a reprieve. So an interesting little reflection back um, to, to many decades ago when the issue was first addressed. Um, Benedict, as he mentioned before, has been covering the Greens conference. So let's take a look at his track on that. The Greens displaying a united front at their annual conference today. But just outside, it was anything but. He conceded publicly that he gave concessions to the National Party without even getting the support for the bill. And to me, that's just a failure of political negotiation. Jack MacDonald, the former Greens candidate and top advisor, rebelling against James Shaw as he leaves those roles. I'm concerned about the, the centrist drift of the party, um, and particularly under James Shaw's leadership. Uh, I was uh, re-elected as co-leader yesterday, um, and I don't sense a great sense of dissatisfaction, no. I think the pressure's really starting to show within the Green Party and the government. In the last few weeks, they have been rattled. But James Shaw was clearly not impressed with the timing. I think it's a distraction from uh, you know, the work that Martin is doing on housing. I think that's a shame. But do other Greens share these concerns about their co-leader? No, I don't. I think James is doing a good job as co-leader. Um, obviously, you can't please everyone all of the time. But overall, there's really strong support for the leadership. The Greens did their best to manage the media and try to control the message at this annual conference. And the attacks on James Shaw definitely were not part of that script. What they wanted people to be talking about was their announcement that they've done their homework and are now ready to start negotiating with the government on their rent-to-own scheme. For the first few years, the household pays rent. But unlike a private rental, part of their payment will go towards building equity in the home. The Greens are hoping the scheme will be introduced as part of the KiwiBuild reset. Everyone needs a home. Today, I know, right? Today's very public scrap, not what the Greens were hoping for. So thank goodness for Jack McDonald. He um, really added some news value um, uh, to my track there, um, covering the Sunday of the um, Green Party conference down Dunedin. You know, it, raising you know, really deeply held concerns about James Shaw's co-leadership. Like we saw there in the track, um, you know, feel that he's taken the party far, you know, too much towards the centre, and just really highlighting, you know, why on earth is he making, you know, doing deals with the National Party who haven't even agreed to support his legislation. But that's always going to be the problem for the Green Party, because you've got so many different um, factions, if you like, represented with them. You've got um, the this sort of blue-green who are, um, who perhaps are more conservative um, economically but really support um, green values and principles. And then you've got the social side of things which perhaps Marama Davidson um, represents in more of a way and somehow you've got to mesh, um, have this marriage of them. And we've seen it throughout the ages of the Green Party and the different co-leaders and who they represent. And you're never going to have this perfect um, marriage and perfect symmetry of people who feel represented and identify with both sides of the of the Green Party. And I think that's always going to be a diplomatic dance for them while they are this big umbrella Green Party. Mm. I think it's really interesting. I mean, one, I found it interesting that he decided to air these grievances publicly and not keep them in-house and deal with them in-house. The fact that he's resigned from some of his uh, key roles, yet he made, he's, he made, he's made, he's 
remaining mm. a member and even went down to the conference. So if you're going if you're going to stay in the fare in the tent and continue to be a member, then can you please keep all of our laundries that are inside the fare <laughs> inside the tent so we can deal with it without it becoming a big public no, media always, circus? Always talk like, to me. That's yeah. number don't one. Listen to Mikey. That's number one. laundry outside. We don't mind one bad, little bit. Bad party <laughs> etiquette. Uh, number two, quite sad to put it all on James Shaw. First of all, we always knew that he was that sort of blue-green centrist or more more of a centrist greenie um, than the rest of them. Uh, he was always packaged as that. And so to, you know, to use that against him now, interesting call to say that he's the one dragging the entire caucus, the entire party. I mean, there's a number of them there to put it all on one person. Another interesting call. Um, and it would have been, no doubt, quite difficult for Marama Davidson because her and Jack McDonald have a very close uh, bond for friendship, working relationship. He was in her office when he was here at Parliament. He's only just recently left in the last few months or so. Um, so it would have been uh, awkward for her, I'd say, to have to stand there and answer questions alongside uh, her co-leader, James, there. Yeah, well, also, I suspect, so James, um, on the on the Saturday, launched a pretty fiery and uncharacteristic um, attack on Simon Bridges and kind of ruled out doing any deal with him, you know, questioning his... In- Simon Bridges' integrity, um, just launching all these repeated attacks on um, Simon Bridges. And you can't help wonder if it was Jack's, you know, tweets announcing on the Saturday, announcing his intentions and criticising James, which kind of led to that. Was and it would fire you after because those na- those nation, uh, well, th- that interview that he did would have been quite early. But did those tweets come out before or after that interview, though? I'd be interested to know. Oh, so that, that was in his, his speech at the conference. Because um, I also on the James saw James give an interview earlier um, earlier that, that morning, on the Saturday morning, um, and making the same calls. Or was it on Q&A as well that he made? The, he, I think he made those calls on Q&A too. With the Monday that before. He, that he or? definitely wouldn't well, uh, yeah. work with um, Simon Bridges. I think he got a bit stronger thr- across the week. And you yeah. can't help but wonder if, the, if that fire puts a little bit of fire in his belly to mm. go, hang on a second. Um, it's interesting. Now, um, Benedict wants to make a comment um, that was very close to his heart, shall we say, slash <laughs> yes, stomach. Yes. Um, and I, I just I'm not sure if anyone cares, but, but here have we a little go. look at this. This was the um, I took a photo of the lunch spread um, that was put out for the media at the Greens conference. Um, I just had a little giggle at it. Thought you might too. <laughs> yeah. But anyway, I think that just about does this, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm not sure if yeah. people feel too sorry for um, journalists not getting fed at, um, at party conferences, but um, mm. they made oh. an effort because they don't well, always. At, at the don't nas- for for uh, transparency, at the National Party Conference that I went to a couple of weeks ago, we got shouted some trumpets. Well, I have to say, when I've been to... I've, covered all of them and I have to say New Zealand First always do very good spreads um, mm. sometimes if they're mad with That's us old um, school. we'll That's get that old sort of a slap on you. the hand and say that is not for you but if <laughs> we're in the good books um, then you get really good really delicious um, scones and savouries and pastries and things. Have so, you been in Winston's Good Books before? Um, no, but um, sometimes you can let that slide past yeah. the party members if you smile sweetly and innocently. Um, but yeah, there we go, and ending on a ending on a, a, a note of, of um, political poignance, I think, with, with lunches mm. at political conferences. Excellent. All right, guys. Hey, that was um, One News Inside Parliament, our weekly catch-up about the political stories we've been covering. We're on Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. And it's available around this time each week on One News Now. And you can also check us out on your favourite podcasting app.